This episode of Landmine Radio is sponsored by Dittman Research. Do you know what the most valuable thing in the world is? High-quality information. Because high-quality information informs much better decision-making. Dittman Research has been providing high-quality information to Alaska's leading businesses, organizations, and campaigns for 50 years. Do you really know what Alaskans think about your company or your issue? How about your clients, your shareholders, or your employees? So stop fumbling around in the dark. Hire Dittman Research and find out what's really going on. DittmanResearch.com Okay, back here in studio in Anchorage with uh, my buddy, business partner, kind of um, life partner, Paxson Welber. <laughs> I don't know. Okay, life partner. That's nice. Hetero, um, heterosexual, non-platonic um, okay. life partner. We don't need to dwell on that. I, yeah, happy to be here. So I'm happy to talk about this. We've been talking about this for a while. I just got back from Juno last week, and it's been kind of crazy. But we're here to talk about this uh, whole Holton Hills development, proposed housing development in Girdwood and kind of what happened and how that really ended up becoming um, a bit of a, a scandal that you you wrote about in the landmine mm-hmm. in a special feature. So I think for the folks listening, they're probably familiar with it, but let's go back to the kind of the beginning of what what is Holton Hills and what's going on and why did this become such a big deal at the assembly and then later um, with the community councils? Yeah, so this is, it's, you know, it's kind of a wonky subject, um, development and real estate. And it's not something that I've been involved in at all before. Um, so I kind of, I didn't mean to get into this subject. But um, once I did, it is just incredibly, um, you know, I, I think this Holton Hills situation in particular, it is just an absolutely perfect case study in how hard it is to provide um, housing in, um, you know, in Anchorage and in Alaska and elsewhere. And, um, we're, we're, and, and we're how hard some people will work and the, just the extent to which some people will work to shut down housing for other people. So I think it's an incredibly important story. And I really got pulled into it. And uh, I, I really thought it was something that needed to be um, told. At, at a time when we're experiencing super low supply, high prices, it's really hard to, I mean, if you move to Anchorage right now, it's hard to find a place to live. Yeah. About to buy. Yeah. I mean, I... We, we cannot stress how important the lack of attainable housing is in Anchorage and in Alaska um, more broadly. I mean, it just has a huge impact on people's ability to live here, on the ability of um, families to, to grow here, on, on, you know, the ability of people to come here and work and start families and have, have productive lives in Alaska. And when people shut down housing, um, it just it has huge social and economic impacts um, for the city and for the state. And I I think a lot of people, especially maybe some older folks who bought houses in the 80s or 90s and um, have kind of seen the value of their properties grow and, and, and um, housing scarcity in some ways might feel like a good thing to them. I mean, it's creating a nest egg to them. But I, I think it, we really need to... This is kind of the boomer. I mean, all over the lower 48, yeah. somebody bought a house in the 80s and, and now for 100000 or something and now it's worth... A million, half a million or a yeah, million. Yeah, yeah. And that's happening in Anchorage, you know, to a huge degree. And um, I, so I think, yeah, before we even start this this conversation, you just need to recognize that the lack of attainable housing has a huge array of consequences. And it's exas- and it's exacerbated in Girdwood, where it, it's it, really, really expensive and really hard to get a, to, li- to live somewhere if you're like a worker, if you're, not, if you're not wealthy, if it's not your second, you know, ski home or ski condo. Yeah, I mean it's it's bad in Anchorage, but it's become 
an, I mean, I would say it's already at crisis levels in Anchorage, but it is sort of beyond crisis levels in Girdwood. And that wasn't inevitable. And I think in many ways it was an in, um, kind of intentional human caused problem. Um, Girdwood has had virtually no development, you know, no significant development in the last several decades, despite identifying the lack of housing as a critical issue in the community. Um, at least as far back as the 90s, they were saying in their planning documents, you know, wow, we, we, need, we really need housing. And since the 90s, you, know, you go back and look at a map of Girdwood in the 90s and a map of Girdwood today, they don't look that different. I know, there, I know there's people, been a little bit of development. I, I know people much. who bought, bought a condo or a place in, in the Girdwood, Girdwood in the 90s for like 100000 150000 Easy million now. Yeah. I mean, just the, yeah. the demand and the, the resort. Well, let's go back to where this started. It was a couple of years ago, the uh, Heritage Land Bank, which is this kind of quasi, it's a municipal deal entity, but they have a bunch of land all over the yeah. bur- the, the uh, Anchorage Bowl. And they put out basically a, a bid, an RFP, and said, hey, we want to develop some land in Girdwood. We want to have some houses built. Um, here's kind of the requirements. Here, here's the outline. Two people bid, uh, Connie Yoshimara and I guess it was Spinell. Spinell Homes. C- CY Investments, which was Connie Yoshimara's uh, company. So just two, I mean, two bidders, yeah. which is in itself kind of amazing. Yeah. So we should say, too, that um, the Heritage Land Bank, it, it is the vehicle that the municipality um, uses to uh, basically transfer land to private developers to build housing. So if you live in... Um, if you live anywhere in Anchorage, whether you live in an apartment or you own a house or a property, um, you live in land that was transferred from um, public ownership to private ownership. And um, there's nothing you know strange about that. The HLB is the um, mechanism that the city uses to do that. So um, there's a huge amount of HLB land in Girdwood. And um, actually, I believe the majority of HLB land in Anchorage is, is in Girdwood. Um, it's thousands of acres. And that's um, a large part of the reason for that is that HLB land in Anchorage has been sold and developed, and in Girdwood it hasn't. So there's this huge excess of um, or huge supply of HLB land in Girdwood, and some of it is really good land that would be really good for building housing, which everybody... Um, at least on paper, <laughs> agrees that we need. So um, HLB, uh, yeah, uh, like you said, put out an RFP to develop um, an area um, that everybody now calls uh, Holton Hills, which is adjacent to the elementary school in Girdwood, uh, kind of right off Crow Creek. It's like between Crow Creek, uh, is it Crow Creek Mine Road or Crow Creek Road? Mm-hmm. And, um, and uh, uh, Glacier Creek. This is, this is before Bronson took over. This was when, yeah. I guess, Austin Quinn Davidson was acting mayor. It was in I think, April 2021 yeah. when this yeah. thing came out. And then and then when it when it went through and, and Yoshimura, CY Investments won, um, from the pretty early on, the Bronson administration and later when Adam Trombley became chief of staff, very supportive of this project. Yeah, I think they were. Um, CY Investments won um, – their proposal won unanimously with every reviewer. Um, from what I've heard, uh, the Spinell proposal wasn't particularly strong. They kind of phoned it in maybe a little. Um, and, uh, yeah, the CY Investments um, proposal uh, basically cleaned house. So, so so this is, you know, a couple years old, more than a couple years old. Um, it didn't really come on my radar until, I guess, about December when there was a, a big, you know, when the, the big, first big snowstorm happened, there was a community 
assembly meeting and there was some public comment on this issue with the assembly having to vote to, to dispose the land. Um, but even before that, it really became on my radar. I saw some signs. Like yeah. Holt, I was like, what the fuck are these signs? Free Holton Hills or Halt Holton Hills. So, but then we had um, where I really first really became aware of it was there, you called me and there was an opinion piece, like a community voice on our website. And this woman, I'm going to let you talk about, and she had a pitch for this is horrible, this is corrupt, this whole thing's a mess. And I didn't really know much about it. So I kind of, that was the first thing I read. And you, I remember you told me at that point, you didn't have a lot of maybe knowledge. And you said, well, it's, this is kind of a, this isn't a clear issue, right? This is, because there was, there was that group that was very loud and vocal. And then this lady, Grace Pleasant. So maybe talk about how that, start, how that happened and, and where that kind of, what that led to. Yeah. So uh, Grace Pleasant's, um, is a developer. I call her unpleasant. <laughs> You're not the only one. It you know that's a, that's a little obvious. Um, and we'll go into what she emailed me later on after our little show we did with Christina Hendrickson and right. Eric Visser. Remember that email? I, I, yeah, you we'll, told we'll, me. About we'll talk that. about that. Um, so Grace called me and said, um, you know, we're trying to halt this corrupt, um, horrible, huge real estate transfer in a real estate deal in Girdwood. And um, it's, she basically said, I'm one of the people behind Hal- Halton Hills, and it's a uh, you know, horrible deal. It's corrupt. It involves 400 acres. Um, it's just going to build, you know, multi-million dollar luxury homes. It's all public land. You know, public land should mean public benefit. And, and it, was, it, was, it was going to enrich Connie Yoshimara. Right? Yeah. It was going to make her a million, more, more, even more wealthy. And I, it's important to say that in the deal, and this wasn't really highlighted much, was the money is split from the sales of the houses and all the money between her company and the HLB. Yeah, so the, the deal that was uh, ultimately worked out was uh, basically involved CY Investments and the municipality splitting the prof- the proceeds from land sales. Close that, to that, that, that HLB land, okay. Um, so uh, so Grace called me and, and gave me this pitch, and I honestly found it really convincing. Um, she was saying, you know, Girdwood has huge problems with affordable housing, we need workforce housing, we need, you know, people are being forced out of our community. Employees are being forced out, and we don't, we don't need a bunch of, uh, you know, multi-million dollar mansions. And I was like, yeah, that, you know, and it, and it's public land. And it's public land, and that has to mean public benefits. And um, I was like, wow, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a pretty good, pretty cogent uh, <laughs> uh, argument. Um, so I hung up and I called a couple people and, and said, like, hey, have you heard about this Holton Hills thing? And and they said, whoa, uh, be be careful talking to Grace. And this is like November or December, right? Uh, yeah, it might have been n- November-ish or something like that. And I, and I said, well, wh- why? And I said, well, she <laughs> kind of says, says a lot of things that are not true. And I, I said, well, but what, what is she saying that, she's, that isn't true? I mean, this is, is she? And they said, well, there's probably a few things that she's saying. But this is, stuff is really complicated. You know, it's really hard to get to, um, yeah, to, to figure this stuff out if you're not coming from a development background. I mean, this, this is a really challenging subject. Um, and and I, I guess I felt like, you know, she's making an argument that they need more workforce housing. That seems fairly fair. I mean, how can that be wrong? That's just her opinion. So we published, um, we published an op-ed um, by Grace in landmine and, and you, you, you helped her i recall you helped her yeah kind yeah, of write yeah, a little yeah, bit right yeah yeah she like dictated um some of it and i i helped her with that and you know and, and we do that for people who want to get um op-eds out and I, I thought it was a pretty good op-ed and we published it and then some people got in touch there were some com- um, i remember there were some comments yeah 
on the article, and then I think people were calling. I got a few, but I think more more you, but I got a few phone calls too about it. I mean, it, right, away, right away I realized, well, this is like a bigger thing that maybe I'm aware of. Oh, actually, you know, one other funny thing that I didn't mention, when Grace called me initially, she said, how much do I have to pay you um, to work as consultants to help us halt this project? And I said, well, <laughs> like, that's not what we do. I mean, we're not, you can't pay us to. Yeah, you're calling the wrong people. Yeah, we're not, I'm not a, I'm not a political consultant. I said, like, Grace, I don't, but I kind of chalked it up to, you know, people are trying to enter the public sphere and um, it, that can be confusing. And I, I just kind of chalked it up to, um, you know, inexperience in with political work and the media and such. I mean, can you imagine calling like ADN and saying like, how much can I pay you, you know, to consult on it? Um, so so I, I didn't, you know, take offense to it or, or, or anything, but it is really funny that in retrospect, some people have accused us of like having some kind of economic entanglement with, uh, or, or like benefiting financially or being paid off by uh, Connie or CY investments or somebody else. And it's like, no, it's yeah, actually and, exactly and, and, backwards. And, 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 the only person who's ever offered to pay us is grace. Um, and to be clear, we haven't taken. A, I mean, we we I'd love to have an ad from either side. They, we'll, we'll sell ads <laughs> to anybody, but we haven't taken a dime from. Yeah. We haven't made any money on this deal. Yeah, and you're right. There has been some accusations, and we'll talk about your article. You did yeah, your yeah. special feature about oh, we're in the tank for the yeah. Connie or what? It's such bullshit. So so kind of back to after publishing this um, uh, Grace's piece. So w- there were some comments on the article, I think, and then maybe we got some emails, and and it it started to me to look like some things that we were being told were not sure enough were not by grace true. yeah and and not only were they not true they were wildly untrue <laughs> i mean probably the most blatant one um grace was really focused on this idea that the development was for over 400 acres and that was just just blatantly false it was a 60 acre development i mean period uh, you know and and we looked back at all the documentation related to the, um, uh, the project, and from the v- very beginning, all three phases. It was a phase development, so you know, phase one, phase two, phase three. All three phases totaled sixty acres, but Grace and a lot of the other people opposed to the development just made wildly false claims about the size of the development, saying that it. Um, involved land that was, you know, a mile away from where it really, you know, on the other side of Virgin, uh, sorry, not Virgin Creek, um, Glacier Creek, from where it actually was. So, so we started realizing, um, yeah, that there was another side to this. And I think at this point, I was really busy um, with my, um, with my uh, company, um, my actual job and so i think you kind of took this over a little bit and you did a you did a podcast well i think christina hendrickson wrote yeah um, yeah yeah, former uh, real estate director for the municipality who's i guess probably still in a lawsuit with them but anyway she was real estate director for the municipality early on under bronson uh she lives in girdwood she she wrote she wrote basically a response to it and then at that point yeah you were doing some other stuff but i started kind of looking into this a lot more and and realizing that wait a minute this is this seems to be really Lot, like the one side who's against it is like you said saying some things that aren't true and that are just wrong yeah and and then it became very clear to me at some point this is, was was another NIMBY issue people in Girdwood who 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 got theirs don't want um any more development they they want to keep status quo they have their rentals they have their houses their cabins or their rental or their Airbnbs or whatever and then also we we understood you know at some point that Grace is also kind of a developer which, which made it even more interesting. We have a rival, type, and we'll go into that in a second, yeah. about her deal. But then um, Christina made a lot of good points, and I learned a lot about it. 
And and then I saw there was the assembly meeting where Girdwood, you know, 50 or more, maybe, I don't know, a lot of people showed up wearing red shirts. It was kind of almost like a save Anchorage energy, but it was, it was Girdwood like a people. More polite version of save the yeah. save Anchorage. I mean, there was some some snarking and some hissing, some, some kind of people making comments and, and, you know, almost overwhelmingly people were against it. One, one or two people were for it, it was, and, they, and they got kind of heckled um, a little bit, but it was, it was, yeah. it was during that huge snowstorm, which yeah. was very memorable. But um, at that point I decided, wait a minute, this is, this is really a one-sided deal. And, and, and maybe Connie should have, and the and the administration, Bronson administration should have done more to put out their side. And, and maybe that was uh, a problem. But at that point I decided, wait a minute, I want to, I want to tell the other story. So I had Christina Hendricks after the op-ed she wrote or the, the community voice, her and Eric Visser, who's, who's a developer, and uh, he was part of the Anchorage Home Builders. Now he's part of the Alaska State Home Builders. N- not involved in Girdwood, this Girdwood project, but but somebody who's very familiar with building. We did kind of a um, a video down downstairs in the studio, and we we laid out the topic. We had the the map. She talked about it. We discussed housing, and I thought it was a really fair portrayal of here's what's really going on. Here's the problem in Girdwood. Here's the housing problem in Girdwood. Here's what this development proposes. Here's what it doesn't propose. And then after we did that. I got an email from uh, Grace, basically uh, really angry, saying, "I see you're taking the side and this and that, and you're gonna you're gonna have us on your program to give our." And I said, "No, no, I'm not. I'm not doing that." And it was just a very aggressive email. Yeah, I, I think at that point I was starting to feel a little bit um, like we had been, you know, like landmine. I mean, it's really just it's a few people, and we kind of we have to assume that people um, are operating in good faith. And I, I start I felt a little bit taken advantage of by grace honestly it was, it was like wow grace you're actually saying a lot of things i mean you said a lot of she said a lot of stuff to to me to us that just w- was was not true I mean, I mean, if, it if, was it was not a development of multi-million dollar houses it was market rate um residential a lot of it was narrow is narrow lot residential meaning that it's about the smallest lot sizes you can build 45 foot you know lots and then there was a lot of multi-family housing in there you know a lot of um multiple eight plexes and um, condos and I, and, uh, and, and, um, gosh, I mean, we could, we could run down all the things that were, were, were said to us that were not true. Um, well, and I was gonna say, if somebody writes, uh, sends a community voice in about the budget or about the capital or about the legislature, I can read that and pretty much know what's bullshit and what's wrong and what's, you know, what's right. If somebody sends an op-ed in about, you know, public use trails in the Chugach or whatever, and a community voice, you can look at that. And, and pretty easily know what's right, mm-hmm. what's wrong, what's bullshit. When somebody sends a community voice in about a project that we don't really know about, we were you're not really familiar with, um, and you you know she seemed nice and like like operating in good faith. We don't I mean it's hard for us to just you know go through and check every aspect of something like that. And she did, I think, you know, kind of take advantage or use us to put out some things that weren't true. Yeah, and to be fair, like even ADN will publish op eds where you read it and you're like, "This is all <laughs> complete lie." But you know, I, mean, I do you, my best. I think we do our we do our best but... to make sure we don't put out. I mean, if somebody writes something that's not true, I've had that before where I've yeah. told them, "Hey, what you're what you're saying is just wrong. I'm not going to put this out there because it's not accurate." So the um, that assembly meeting in December was really interesting, where all of the um, Hol- Holton Hills people came out, the red wearing, shirts wearing, yeah, well wearing red, and you know these signs saying "public lands equal public should equal public benefits." Um, that was an incredibly eye opening experience for me um, because it was one of the first opportunities I had to really see, you know, to hear testimony from the people opposing this project, and I, I. Um, 
got to admit, I was just, I was floored by the hypocrisy and self-interest of um, some of the people who opposed Holton Hills. I mean, it was very clear they were a group of, um, and, and there was, a, there were a range of people in this group, but um, it's very clear that a, a substantial number of the um, opponents were um, very wealthy, very established uh, people with multiple homes in Anchorage and Girdwood. You know, in some cases, their Girdwood homes were second or third homes. They were sort of complaining about Holton Hills. Oh, it's all going to be Airbnbs. And these were people who owned multiple well, the, the, Airbnbs. There was the one guy that stood out to me. He was, I think he was a doctor. He was an Anchorage resident yeah. who admittedly had a second home in Girdwood who basically acknowledged there's a housing problem. But uh, I'm going to go with the people in Girdwood on this one. I'm against it. And then there was a teacher that had bought a place there in the like late 80s or 90s and you know, she was able to kind of afford it then, and now she's she's going to move. She's retiring. She's going to sell it. People can't afford it. Well, she's not selling it for she's selling it for market rate. Yeah. There was one one person who had six or seven, I think, uh, properties Airbnb. You know, Airbnb, VRBO. I mean, the amount of people with just staggering self interest and hypocrisy really stood out to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I feel like even at that point, you know, I really had an, an open, I think I, I feel like I had an open mind about the project. And I, I think we generally supported it and thought it was a good, um, thought it would be a good thing for Girdwood to have more housing. Um, but but that meeting, that Anchorage Assembly meeting was when I really realized like, wow, there's something really wrong with um, the public conversation about this. It's, well, and the good thing that you, I think, noted, I, I heard too, but you noted that that became the impetus to this bigger article was the constant reference to widespread community opposition by the community councils. Yeah. So um, it was at that meeting that we um, sort of became aware of this lobbying effort to Anchorage community councils in which a, a core group of the opponents to Holton Hills um uh, so Jennifer Wingard, Matt Schechter, uh, Grace Pleasance, Dave, Dave Nyman. Nyman. He's my favorite. <laughs> yeah. um, they had they were uh, going around. Um, I don't. I'm not sure how many meetings they had gone to at that point because I think most of their meetings were in January. But um, there was that's when we became aware that there was this effort to go around to the Anchorage community councils and try to get Anchorage community councils to also to, to sign resolutions or pass resolutions also opposing Holton Hills. Um, and that's, that effort is what became the subject of our uh, special feature uh, article. Well, and before, and before that um, we became aware, or you became aware that Mark Butler, who was the former, now former, head of the Federation of Community Councils. And for the folks listening, there's 30, there was 38, now I believe it's 37 community councils around Anchorage, Turnigan, Huffman O'Malley, Mountain View, Taku Camp, and they're all over the city, right? Girdwood has, you know, they're kind of deal, Eagle, you know, Chugiak, there's 37 of them. Each one sends a delegate member to the Federation of Community Councils, which uh, kind of oversees, more or less it's like a group that kind of oversees or... um, all the, all the, you know, the community councils, um, the, the entities of the community councils. And I was president of the Taco Campbell Community Council for several years. I was also a delegate to the FCC, and I was became president of the FCC, the Federation for Community Councils. So I'm very familiar with how the councils work and the process and what the FCC does. And Mark Butler has been the longtime guy. But, but you learned that he had become um, a little bit of a consultant to these Girdwood folks going to the councils, 
and you went to a meeting, which was fascinating in Girdwood. So yeah. talk about that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, um, Mark, uh, after, well, we're, we're, chronologically we're skipping ahead a little bit. This meeting was after the assembly voted not to dispose of the land for Holton Hills, which effect effectively halted. Uh, so let's, yeah, maybe um, we, there was the meeting and then there was several delay. There was several delays of meetings and eventually, um, after what, a few, I mean, a month. Actually, let, let's, um, we're a little out of order, but let, let's jump back to that, uh, December, um, meeting in Anchorage, um, or, or the, the community council meeting where there was all that testimony and I think it's it would be good to address kind of the core arguments. That when you say community, you mean the different community councils? Oh, sorry, the, the assembly the, Sorry, yeah, the Anchorage Assembly. Yeah, the meeting assembly meeting in, yeah. Um, in December. And I think it'd be good to address the core argument that was being made by the opponents of Holton Hills, and um, you know that is is basically uh, we do not want market rate housing in our community. We don't want new market rate housing in our community. What we want is affordable housing for the workforce. And I think on its face, that sounds, that sounds really good. And it sounds really good. I think to, to, um, it's a, it's a effective message, especially to sort of people on the political left, I think who might be more sympathetic, um, to like lower income or middle income people being able to find housing. But, but what, sounds, what does that mean? Sub, like, does that mean government subsidized housing? I mean, what does that mean? It, it, it effectively does. Um, so, so they're making the argument, we don't want housing. Um, you know, these condos are going to be $500,000 to $700,000. These houses could be million dollar houses. Um, we, we don't want any of that. We own the only thing that we will accept in our community is um, affordable workforce housing. Well, and, that, and that means, it's hard to know what affordable housing means. That's a very fuzzy term. But essentially what they're saying is we want some entity to come around and pay for and manage um, subsidized housing for people who work for us. Well, I think it's important to note that the average house, average cost of a home in Anchorage right now is like $450,000. Yeah. It's so so it's $500,000. We're not, we're not talking about crazy out of the realm. I mean- Housing's expensive. Yeah. So, so one thing that they cited is, you know, some condos that were sold recently in Girdwood went for $700,000. So they're saying we can't have any condos and, you know, we can't just, we can't build condos in Girdwood because they'll sell for unaffordable. Well, why did those condos sell for $700,000? It's because the community has effectively created a housing shortage. So it's using the housing shortage to argue against more housing. It is such a perverse circular argument. I've heard from several um, people who have tried to buy in Girdwood. There's nothing, nothing really ever yeah. comes up for sale. It's basically, who do you know? You know, yeah. somebody, you know, their friend's going to sell. I mean, th- things don't even hit the market. They don't even, they don't even, there's nothing really for sale there. Yeah. So it's, it's hard to know exactly how much the lots um, or homes built in Holton Hills or the condos in the eight plexes or four plexes, whatever. It's hard to know what they would sell for. Cause it's a market rate development. Um, Connie Yoshimura at one point said $500,000. Um, I don't know. It might be more than that. It, it's, it's really hard to know because it's a, a market rate thing. Um, but it's worth pointing out that at times the cheapest housing available in Girdwood is like a million dollars. So what these assembly, um, what that assembly meeting had effectively was some incredibly wealthy people, people who own millions of dollars of real estate in Girdwood and Anchorage. And, they're which, saying, which I'd, they're I'd saying, say I'd say good for them, well, yeah, but but, but don't stop other people from you know getting to the point where they can buy a property and then they can you know have have a 
valuable property or make money later in life. Yeah. So you have these multi multi-millionaires saying, oh, a $600,000 condo is too expensive. I mean, and, and I kind of had this feeling of like, how dare you shut down housing or argue that housing should be made, you know, people shouldn't even have the option of buying a $600,000 or $500,000, whatever condo, you know, you are a multi multi-millionaire, like let people make that decision for themselves. And, and the, you know, there's this, um, the implication of that too, is that like a teacher or firefighter, somebody who's sort of middle, middle income, um, they should be forced into some kind of public affordable housing rather than have the opportunity to buy well, well, a well, condo well, well, did, or a lot and build a house. Didn't at some point there was a suggestion to build like fucking tents or something or like, yeah. were, were like outhouses? So the community, um, there's a hilarious PDF that's floating around online and I, I found it at one point and I, I lost track of it. Um, kind of after the Holton Hills, after the assembly took their vote and everything, this, this document came out um, proposing like tree houses, building like a tent, uh, or was maybe the tent city was it was like huts with 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 yeah, like a I mean with like an outhouse community has just come up with some absolutely wacky ideas for um you know there's so much resistance for just building market rate more market rate housing in the community um that uh just these bizarre ideas are are starting to float around um kind of co- come out of the community like this treehouse idea i mean that's it's just flatly absurd that so, like middle income people or low income people should be have to live in a fucking treehouse let's go back that's to like the an instagram like you know thing that uh, it's just so absurd um that, but um you know at, at that december meeting too um i i I did feel bad for the people. There were some people who testified and said, I'm being priced out of Girdwood and they were really upset. And I think that their, um, I think that their situation is, is really, um, you know, it's possible to be, you know, you can be very empathetic toward that situation. And I think what they're saying is legitimate and people are being priced out of the community. And the, the answer to being um, priced out of the community is to build more housing. Well, there, there was one guy, I forget it his is, name. It's not to shut down, attainable housing, which is what, you know, the, um, sort of Halt Holton Hills crowd is trying to do. They, they are trying to shut down attainable housing and say, we'll only accept subsidized affordable housing, but only, you know, for people who work for us, who make our coffee, who teach our kids how to ski, they can live in subsidized affordable housing. Um, but we won't accept more market. Well, there, housing there, there was, it's, it's awful. There was one guy, I think his name was, might've been Quinn, but he was a d- developer builder, not affiliated with Girdwood, but he got up there and said, you know, because the ch- they were they were there because the assembly had to vote on this thing this land disposal, but he said this is going to be a chilling effect. No one's going to want to build there, or maybe in other parts of Anchorage where, if it, if it means people just come and you know scream and yell and say things that aren't true, and then the assembly says okay, well we can't. Which was surprising. LaFrance and, and Salt, Randy Salt and Suzanne LaFrance, who represent that area, um, ended up both voting to take. We'll talk about that how it got to the point where it got basically killed to table it. Um, and Randy ran as like a conservative business development guy, which I was pretty shocked. He, he voted that way. Um, normally conservatives, they, they want to support mm. private sector, build housing, you know, develop things. Um, but what happened was that meeting was over and then this got delayed several times. And then eventually they voted. It was after Jamie Allard and Forrest Dunbar had left right. to go to Juno. They, they both had to leave the assembly. Um, but there was a motion to basically table indefinitely, which means put it away. We're not going to, we're not going to say no or yes. We're just going to say, we're going to put it away, not even act on it, which essentially killed it. And that passed uh, seven to five, which is interesting 
it needed seven votes. If one person would have voted no, it would have been six to six, and then it would have it would have actually gone to the vote. Right. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, they, so, they voted to postpone indefinitely. Um, that was an interesting vote. The people who um, voted. Um, so basically, the assembly had to take a vote to dispose of the land for the development, which basically means that they would sort of officially release the land to the developer, um, CY Investments, to proceed with the project. And right. if they would have done that, there would have still been a lot more to do. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And community input, all the other parts of develop. I mean, that, that, that wouldn't have been green light go. There would have been several more layers before the building would have started. Right, yeah. But... Um, you know, the project did get halted at the disposal uh, phase. And what the people who voted to halt it generally said... Um, and be, and be clear, know, they didn't say no. They said table or postpone right, indefinitely. Right. Yeah, postpone indefinitely. Yeah, it's kind of a procedural thing. Um, it's effectively saying no unless it gets brought back. A little bit of a maneuver. Yeah. Um, so there was a, a, a mix of things that people on the assembly said, assembly members said. And um, one of the main messages from, like, Meg, for example, Meg Zalatel, was we can't trust the Bronson administration to see this project through. And, um, yeah, uh, it's an interesting argument. I mean, the Bronson administration is really a mess. I'm not clear on how uh, strong that argument, uh, how I feel, <laughs> how strong I feel that argument was. Um, well, Trombley, who was chief of staff, who had been in the assembly, who had been supporting this, uh, he's gone now, but uh, Trumbly is a competent person who knows how this stuff works. The one failure I think this administration made, and maybe Connie was, and we'll talk about this in a second about the community councils, was they didn't really have the other side. Yeah, the um, Holt, Holton Hills crowd did a really good job organizing, and they were very, very visible. And I think the the pro-development people, and there were actually quite a few people who supported the Holton Hills development in Girdwood, and they sent in written comments, and those are public record, and you can read those. Um, uh, but some of those comments even say, you know, I'm scared to talk about this in public because of backlash. In um, I think some Girdwood. people are concerned about their businesses being attacked or them being attacked by the by, the anti Holton Hills people, yeah, because Girdwood's a small town; it's a small community, and if all of a sudden you're getting lit up on Facebook or the internet because you're for something that a lot of people are, you know, against, or not a lot, maybe, but you know, a group of loud people are against, then it becomes, um, you know, a lot of people. I think you and I are so out there on the internet and social media, but for the people who aren't, it's really hard to get like attacked or like have a barrage of attacks against you. Yeah. Most people aren't, yeah. aren't able to deal with that. They don't know how to deal with that. Yeah. It's scary. I mean, there, there, there's a lot of ways to describe Girdwood. It's part of Anchorage. Um, it's in some ways it's just, it's a neighborhood of Anchorage. It's kind of geographically separated on turning an arm, but it's a you know, neighborhood of Anchorage, or you can describe it as a town or a community. I kind of almost want to describe it as a high school, but um, it really has this like very petty high school dynamic. Um, there's something kind of like, uh, socially toxic, I think, in that, um, I, I realize it's a bit of a cliche, uh, you know, buzzword, but there's something kind of toxic about how public discourse occurs in Girdwood. And there is, um, a lot of, I, when I write about Girdwood, I feel like I'm writing about like a, like high school drama or like a, a cult. It, mm -hmm. There's something just like very small town kind of, you know, 
the good and the bad, I guess. But since we've been reporting on this, we've seen kind it's, of it's, a little of the weird. It's, kind it's of very clicky. Nastiness. Yeah. It's very clicky. If you're if you're in the click, if you're part of the deal, you're in. And if you're not, you can go ski and you can go hang out. But you're kind of just like almost a visitor. Yeah. Yeah. So basically there were a lot of written comments from, um, from people, including, yeah, people in Girdwood saying like, I'm scared to talk about this and say like, Hey, Girdwood needs development. And, um, but the consequence of this and, and, you know, Connie didn't really rally people to support her, um, at the assembly meeting. And I think the, the effect was that there was this perception that everybody in Girdwood was against this. And, um, it just wasn't true. It was never true. Um, I think also as this situation has unfolded, a lot of people in Anchorage who didn't really understand the situation um, are now much more aware of kind of what Girdwood is doing. Um, well, I mean, or, or I would, what I would, some, some people would, in Girdwood are doing. And I think there's, um, I think things are starting to shift. I would say in large part, thanks to your, your special feature, which we'll talk about soon. So let's well, just even, keep, let's just keep. Even ADN came out afterwards and was like, um, after the assembly vote and, and wrote a, um, there was a. Editorial, op-ed. I think. Yeah, yeah. editorial op-ed. Um, saying, uh, wait, like what's going on in Girdwood? Like we're saying that we need housing. Why are we shutting down housing? Was this the right idea? Well, let's, let's um, keep going so, on the yeah. chron- chronology. So, okay. So the vote happened. I got to give it up to my girl, AQD, who's no longer there. She was one of the most outspoken, um, people ag- against these Girdwood folks, just calling them out. This NIMBY, petty bullshit. I mean, she really laid it to them. I loved, I loved her comments. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, she was really on fire. That was, that was an amazing. That, that was like, I'm leaving the assembly. I can say whatever the fuck I want. Yeah. It doesn't matter. But she really, I think laid out a good argument for wh- why this project needs to happen and, and why, why the, the hypocrisy um, um, within the, the uh, people opposing it. So anyways, it gets voted on seven to five to, to table and, de- you know, postpone and definitely table. And then we'll go back to the Mark Butler thing. Not long after that, some of these Girdwood folks uh, had a little bit of a, a little bit of a party, a little, a little bit of a celebration. Yeah, may, 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 maybe a little dancing in the end zone. Yeah, so they um, really uh, believed that they had won at that point. Which you know, I guess as of this recording, they they still kind of did because the project hasn't been brought back. But um, they kind of convened a, a little um, debrief in Girdwood, which I attended kind of reluctantly. And, um, Which thank God you went because I was in <laughs> Juno, and boy, let me tell you, you being there um, was extremely insightful. Yeah, it was interesting. So it was um, a conversation facilitated by Mark Butler, who is the um, manager of the Federation of Community Councils, the FCC. Was and the was <laughs> it was? Yeah, um, uh, recently retired, and I'm, I'm putting that in the air quotes. And he said at this meeting, he said, "Well, Grace called me up and said, how much do I have to pay you to come down and?" talk to Girdwood for this meeting and I said well no you can't which is hilarious like Grace just offers to pay everybody to just do their job which is um, frankly kind of shady but Mark said uh, uh, to me prior to the meeting and then he reiterated at the meeting which was recorded he said um, that he said no I can't accept money to go come down here and speak but if you put me up for the night it'll really uh, sweeten the deal with my uh, partner I can accept like a little weekend uh, accommodation package. Which is totally, I mean, Girdwood is 40 minute drive from Anchorage. Like nobody needs to be put up in the community in order to come to a a meeting there. But he, you know, requested this um, gift and and, uh, Dave Nyman put him up in in a 
uh, he said in his uh, duplex in one of the one of the multiple properties that he owns in Girdwood. I love that you found one of Dave Nyman's very expensive. It's like 600, 500 or 600 a night. Uh, it describes the, the, you know, luxury executive yeah. property with a, uh, a suite or a wing for security staff. <laughs> yes. It's actually says in the, um, so Dave Nyman, well, we can talk about him now or later. I he's just one of the more interesting characters in this whole story. Um, he was a, one of the main opponents of the, or a, a visible opponent of the project and um, complained that uh, Holton Hills would be all VRBO'd out. Well, he literally has a luxury VRBO um, kind of by Virgin Creek. It's uh, 500 and I think when I looked it up, it was $540 a night, minimum four night stay. So it was like $2,100. I, 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 I just of, love like for a weekend. I, I just love with, with, with luxury with, VRBO. with rooms for your private security. Yeah. It says there's like ample room for security. Like who's staying there? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's 2000. I mean, $2,000 a weekend or $2,100 a weekend. And it was, um, I mean, I looked at the bookings and it looked like it was rented out, you know, it was booked out every weekend. So basically you have somebody who's making, um, you know, their VR, their luxury VRBO, their Girdwood single family property is, um, taken off the market so it can be VRBO'd. Um, and then the owner of this VRBO complains about uh, another development because the properties could be VRBO'd. I mean, it's just, um, yeah, it's, so, I mean, so, it's, so just at, off, it's just off the charts hypocrisy. So at this meeting with Mark Butler, he essentially stands up and takes credit for advising this small group of people opposing Holton Hills, advising them on how to strategize and message to the community councils. Yeah, so Mark, Mark Butler acknowledged that Grace had come to him and said, how can we do outreach um, you know, to, uh, to community councils and um, about shutting down Holton Hills. And he kind of acted as a, at least my take on this is that he acknowledged that he acted as um, an advisor for that. Uh, I'd say advisor consultant. Yeah. 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 And help them strategize. Which, which there's nothing wrong with saying, here's the process. Here's the council. You go right, to them. Right, you, right, for sure. but, but, but when you met, he was giving them the message about the, the most damning thing was uh, he kind of said something about Christopher constant and that he was one of the main um, supporters and we have a way to deal with it because the election was coming up. We have a way to deal with that. And he gave like a thumbs down, right? Yeah. So Christopher constant was one uh, assembly member who has been fairly uh, vocal about um, supporting housing in Anchorage. He's called housing um, the, you know, the great challenge of our time or something like that. Um, and he was uh, supportive of the Holton Hills disposal. And um, he became really a target for um, the Holton Hills crowd. And Mark Butler told uh told them at this meeting you know there's basically like don't don't be nasty with him don't be mean to him but but there's a mechanism for dealing with him and that's that he's up for re-election and we get to decide whether or not to re-elect him and that and at that point he made a very visible thumbs down to the group and then kind of paused for laughter a couple people kind of chuckled um I didn't think that much of it, but I was kind of like, man, this guy really like, well, well his, his, he's his like really playing, playing to the room and his he salary, really hate Chris, his salary, um, which isn't a great deal of money, but his salary as manager of the Federation for community councils is paid through a, an assembly grant. Uh -huh. and, and part of that language, uh, in the grant says the manager can't be doing political activities. Yeah. And I think he, um, I mean, I guess I'm like reluctant to speak to motive, but, uh, I like Mark. I've known Mark a long time. Yeah. He was there when I was president of the FCC. I've, I've known him for many years and I like Mark. 
but uh, he fucked up here. Well, I think also he knew that the meeting was being recorded with audio, but not video. So I think it was a little like wink, wink, nod, nod. This isn't going to make it into the the audio. I mean, at least that's how I would take it. Like he did his thumbs down in a, uh, but you know, but I was there and I I wrote down notes and you te- um, you texted me and I was like, yeah, and I, what? I was you. like, I was what? Like, I was like, this is kind of weird. Like he's kind of <laughs> telling these people to work against Chris and D- didn't election. he ask you are, are you are you recording me or something or didn't somebody ask you yeah and then he came up to me um during the meeting he walked right up to me and he said like are you live streaming this I said no which is um but I, t- I texted a couple people and said hey you know Mark Butler did this like what's is this normal is it I just don't know like I, I actually don't know a huge amount about the community council system or I didn't back then and um the response I got was like, oh, my God, he, that that's insane. He really cannot be doing that kind of thing. Um, so somehow I got all the way back to him and um, I mean, yeah, it's he almost like a, confronted me in the meeting and asked me if I was live streaming. And I, you know, truthfully said, like, no, it, it's I, almost I, equivalent of, was of, of like legislators, you know, engaging in, you know, campaign activity or partisan campaign in, in the Capitol. I mean, you just don't do that. Yeah, you know, you're there to work. Like your your campaign, your political, it's it's outside. I mean, in this case, it's not the best example, but I mean, it's on that kind of level of like, wait a minute, you're you're in your office, like having political meetings for your campaign. No, it's it's kind yeah. of comparable to you know to that type of situation. Yeah, and I mean, it's I don't know, it's just a thumbs down. I I mean, I don't I don't. It's not. I guess it's it's not my call to say how much weight that should be given. I mean, it struck me as like kind of a weird thing, but. I mean, I felt like I was there to report on it, and I reported on it accurately. Well, and there's also and, the uh, and it's up to other people to decide what action to take based on that. And and um, I think it did become more of an issue, and it made it to the FCC. And Mark, um, I mean, I, I think this is very unfortunate, but he did he he lied to the FCC um, and said that he had not made a thumbs down; he had made a sort of hang loose symbol, which. I, I was really disappointed when I heard him say that because I talked to Mark before the meeting too, and, and he, you know, I had a good impression of him as well. So it was just disappointing to me to hear him well, say and, something and, and like that. It was just so self evident. There was absurd. also hang loose. Come on, man. Why would you make a hang? It just, it's like laughable. Like, there was also it doesn't the, make any sense. the issue where he sent out before prior, way prior to that, um, an email to the, all the community councils from the, you know, the Girdwood, I think it was the board of supervisors against Holton Hills and very, quickly they came out and said wait a minute wait a minute we didn't say that yeah so it's pretty clear that mark um really supported um the halton hills campaign and and he had yeah sent an email to all the community councils introducing um i think it was like introducing grace and grace's um, group that lobbied the community councils and he said that um like they were representing g boss which is kind of the girdwood equivalent of a community council um, and then G-Boss immediately followed up and was like, nope, they're not representing, uh, they're not representing us. So, so what, so what, so where, where this led to was a special feature, um, you know, Holton Hills, how, how did you, how'd you call it? How a small group of halting Holton Hills. Yeah. And the subtitles, how a small group of group of Girdwood residents, you know, killed the housing development in Girdwood. But we found, you found out through your research that they had gone to these community councils um, and, and as a, a former president of a community council, Taco Campbell, we, we, we would have an agenda for a meeting. People would come to us with different things in the, in the area. Um, we'd put them on the agenda. Sometimes they'd want a resolution mm-hmm. for something or against something. We, we'd always hear it out. And, and the, style, the, the process I was always familiar with, and I always did, is you vote on in the next meeting. So you give people a chance to hear it. 
put it on the agenda, and then the next meeting, the council can vote on it and decide how they feel and give the other side an opportunity to say something. Yeah. Well, well, they had gone to many councils and not not just said really, you know, going back to the 400 acres and all this misinformation and just quoting things that were saying things that were totally wrong. They had convinced many of them to to do the resolution on the same meeting, mm-hmm. yeah, opposing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Turnigan so, was one of them, I think. Um, Mountain View, I mean, I, I don't know how many of them did it the same, but several of them did it the same day. I, I think Mountain View declined to vote on it, actually, if I remember that. Oh, no. Um, wait, did they? Uh, I can't remember. I mean, there's 30-some community I mean, they, they went to they went to a lot of the councils hard, their, their group, um, Grace, Nyman. Wingard, um, Crystal Hoke, um, uh, Matt Schachter. Here's this. Uh, <laughs> Talk about Matt Schechter and this kind of forensic accountant that they hired to put out this kind of false assessment or appraisal yeah, values. Of- that, that was one. I mean, there's so there were so many claims that this group made to the Anchorage Community Councils that were not true. Um, we already went over kind of the size of the development where they were saying, oh, it was 400 acres and actually it was 60 um, and it, it, it kept growing. At one point, they said, oh, it could be 450. We don't know. It could yeah. be, I mean, it's unlimited. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they were, you know, misrepresenting the type of housing. They were uh, saying, uh, Dave Nyman was saying, oh, Connie builds such and such type houses. Well, <laughs> Connie, see why investments doesn't build houses. They're a horizontal developer. Um, well, wasn't, I mean, there, wasn't there like accusations of corruption and oh, sole source? Con- all this bullshit that's just not true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Grace Pleasance said that the Muni was on the hook for all the utilities. That's just absolutely ludicrously false. Um, the, uh, oh God, I mean, there were so many things that they said. It was actually really hard. Um, so some of these meetings were recorded. Not all of them are, but I based our special feature off of the, I think I, I had seven or eight record, maybe seven. You, you put a great little compilation video together that just showed statement after state, misstatement after false statement after false statement just in a row yeah i mean there was just so much and actually one person um who attended one of those community council meetings said yeah grace presented and it was just i it was just lie after lie after lie this is their words um so some people recognized that these presentations were full of um false statements um but a lot of people just didn't really know and, you know, in the same way that I was convinced the first time that I talked to Grace, I think a lot of people were convinced by these presentations. Um, well, you're dealing, well with, you're dealing with professional, educated, wealthy, kind of very convincing, well-spoken people. Yeah. I mean, like Jennifer Wingard, for example, she's literally on GBOS um, or GBOS, however you want to say it. So the, these are, yeah, on their face, fairly credible people. So you're not really expecting them to just be making things up, but they did. Um, so one of the things that they really um, were focused on was the uh, an appraisal that was done on the um, n- uh, 90 acres out of which the 60 acre Holton Hills development um, ultimately was going to um, sort of be carved. And this um, guy named Matt Schechter, who's a forensic accountant or describes himself as a forensic accountant, um, he was pretty, pretty key in talking, uh, he was sort of their key, key person for talking about that, um, that appraisal. So the land was appraised by McSwain and Associates and it was appraised at, um, ultimately about $23,000 an acre. If you, if you consider the entire 90 acre, uh, area, 
Um, so this appraisal was done for informational purposes only because the land wasn't actually being sold to the developer. It was being transferred to the developer. And then as part of a joint venture, the profits would be split between the developer and the municipality. But what this group was telling the community councils was that the land was act or, you know, I think in some cases stating and in other cases implying was that the land was being sold for $23,000 an acre. And that was just not, that was just not true. Um, but beyond that, you know, there were some questions about why is the land being appraised at $23,000 an acre when land in, um, you know, nearby, near like a nearby one acre parcel might go for a hundred or $200,000 an acre. And the reason for that, well, first of all, the land was appraised by McSwain and Associates. They're a licensed appraiser. Licensed appraisers you know, might differ. Well, it's also totally their... undeveloped. Well, right. So the land was not... Um, so Matt Schachter, his argument was um, the land... And, and this guy is like... He works in like a, for a financial institution. Um, he said, you know, well, I looked at, you know, comps, nearby comps, and it was $100,000, $200,000 an acre, something like that. And um, what he was basically doing was saying that the um, the acreage that was going to go to Holton Hills should be assessed at that fair market value if you just slapped like a dry you know cabin on a one acre parcel with an outhouse or something or or think and, about a, I mean a, think about a lake property two properties right both on the lake both five acres one has a road one doesn't but they're both five acres well the one with the road is worth way more well yeah and that's that's part of it um uh, a large portion of, of this, too, is that the land was being appraised for its highest and best use, which in this case was as a you know dense modern subdivision with all utilities. So there aren't that many buyers for a parcel like that. And there's an enormous amount of money that goes into developing, um, a, you know, the, developing the, land like the, that. They're probably worth a lot more when there's utilities in a road. Right. And development, but that costs money. So you don't buy it for the, it's not worth the price it could be worth with all that stuff. It's worth the price it is now. Right. And then later it could be worth that once exactly. the investment's made. It's like you're, you're almost buying the responsibility to put, you know, tens of millions of dollars of infrastructure work in, in a parcel. And very few people actually want to take on or can take on that responsibility. You see the exact same thing, by the way, on the Anchorage hillside where these um, I mean, how much did Frank Pugh pay for his land up on the hillside? That was like, was that like 90 acres or 120 acres? Or yeah, something? a couple hundred thousand. And, and he paid like 350,000. So there's actually nothing this unusual. Is just for the folks listening, this is a Stewart Trail yeah. situation. But yeah, there's a lot of land back there you can't get to. Yeah, I mean, and you and can, It's also not the easiest to develop. I mean, there's mountains and there's kind of very uneven. Difficult to impossible to develop. I mean, you're talking about roads that cost, you know, astronomical amounts per foot of roadway. So... Um, so really, you know, it's not, it's not at all unusual to have large tracts go for relatively little money. And the reason that they, they, um, go for relatively little money is because, uh, yeah, you can't, I mean, th- you're not just going to th- slap one cabin on a 90 acre parcel. Think it's, about these lots, you have to subdivide them. think about these lots all around big lake, all around that area. You know, uh, you know, some, there's many lakes back there. There's a road, there's an access, you know, two acre might go for a hundred thousand, 150. You can buy a nice two or five or 10 acre Lake, beautiful lake access, you know, way out there in the middle of nowhere for pretty cheap, but you have to fly there. Yeah. You can't drive yeah. there. You can't even probably snow machine there or be very difficult to be, yeah. be a long way. So there's a whole element of this. And I think they were so disingenuous with how they tried to present this, like we're getting, you know, we're getting fleeced. 
Yeah, like Jet, there's a there was a little quote I pulled from the Rabbit Creek Community Council meeting where Jen, Jen Wingard says, you know, we had a forensic accountant look at this, and you know, the forensic accountant is Matt Schechter, and he basically um, used his credentials, his accounting credentials, um, as a way to back up his claims that the land was being massively underappraised. Well. He's not a licensed appraiser. Um, we contacted the financial company that he works for, and they said, we have nothing to do with this. This is his personal thing. Um, and, uh, you know, and I talked to several people who are actually licensed appraisers and also involved in real estate deals, and they basically said this Schechter individual just looks, looks like he's just wildly out of his depth. Uh, actually, they use more colorful language than that. Um, but... Uh, yeah, they, they basically said this guy has absolutely no idea what he's doing, so, um, talking about um, <laughs> the value of land. He doesn't know the first thing about appraisals, clearly. But he was one of the you know, he went around to these community councils saying, you know, I'm a, I'm a forensic accountant. Uh, my, my, I, pres- I provided, uh, you know, he said he basically created a competing appraisal and uh, found that the McSwain and Associates appraisal was wrong. But uh, again, none of this even mattered because the this deal, um, or maybe I shouldn't say it didn't matter, but again, this deal involved transferring the land and then splitting the profits. It was never a land sale. So this, and, yeah, you know, it's that's important, really, to, yeah, important yeah. to note. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So let's, so you read this article, this halt Holton Hills, how the small group of people, you know, be abused or manipulated the community council system, you know, yeah. kind of for their own benefit. Um, this is after the thing was tabled or, uh, indefinitely postponed. This comes out, you know, a lot of feedback, a lot of negative feedback from these people oh, the, who who, yeah. who were very vocal. And there was, we have a comment section, which we, we do our best to manage. And basically it's, we trust people to put their names and their email, but oftentimes it's, you know, they, they put fake names and fake emails. So it's hard to kind of manage sometimes, but there were some really people were pretending to be you and pretending to be Christina Hendrickson and, oh, you know, yeah. in this comment section. And then there was some other kind of feedback, but um, the, the other side of it was a lot of people I talked to many people we're like, wow, this is incredible. I can't believe this. They had no idea about what was really happening behind the scenes. Yeah, so the feedback on this story was incredibly um, polarized. Um, I got a huge amount. I, I, I mean, I would actually say the feedback on the story was overwhelmingly positive, but not public. Um, we got yeah. so many calls and texts where people were saying, um, you know, thank you for writing this. You're the only people who've, who told the truth on this issue. Um, people from Girdwood who are knowledgeable about this texted me and said, you got this hundred percent right. I, I have a friend um, who is a very successful business person who lives here, uh, family here, place in Girdwood, texted me. They just must've seen it. I'm sure mm-hmm. somebody sent to him and they said, wow, this is like spot on. Yeah. You know? And there's somebody with a con- condo there. There's somebody who probably has an, in, you know, economic disinterest to have more development, but they, they want that because they think it, they know it needs to happen. Yeah. 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 So we got so much positive feedback um from sort of behind the scenes but but relatively few people really wanted to put that um feedback kind of out in public um some of the feedback that we got you know a lot of the feedback that we got in private wasn't actually about the merits of the Holton Hills project at all it was really a lot of people saying thank you for finally holding the community council system um to account for the, you know, their support, they're just chronic support of NIMBY anti-development behavior. Well, and I, and I think that that's one thing that's really come out of reporting on this topic, that our community council system in Anchorage um, is very geared toward shutting down um, housing and development. And to the point that, 
some of them really take pride in um, shutting down things like apartments well, and, 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 and the more, way, more affordable types of housing. And, the way these things work, and I, I was on mine for years, and I was very involved in it. Um, you know, a lot of good people get involved in community councils. They want they want to get involved in the community. A lot, a lot of times the people who can't get elected to the assembly or the legislature, it's a way to get some power, their friendship up to the meeting, right? And and it's basically just who can who can show up, who can get the votes, who can become the president, who can be who, who can become the you know, vice president, secretary, whatever. And and um there's no system of you have to do minutes, you have to have an agenda. Oftentimes they do, you know, if they get a resolution, you know, who's behind it, where does it go? There's so many things that happen. And I think it's good to have the community council system. I mean, they do a lot of things in the areas where it's like, here's what's going on. Here's a bar. Here's a problem with a restaurant. Here's a, you know, mm-hmm. a development. Here's a trade, whatever it is. You know, these are kind of, you, you get to show up and you get, to, you get to hear from your public officials, your assembly members, your legislators. But sometimes things happen where there's just no real um, system accountability, systemic accountability. Yeah. I mean, in some ways, this um, special feature about Holton Hills was about the you know, false claims made in these presentations. But I think in some ways the real story here was that um, you have a community council system that is just absolutely primed to hear these kinds of messages already. So they didn't push back on these, um, you know, they didn't do their due diligence. A lot of councils, some councils did. Some councils actually said, we're not going to vote on this. This is sounds kind of weird. We don't have time to address this. Um, but a lot of councils rushed these votes through and I think it's very revealing about the priorities of some community councils and the way that they operate and how they're very um, primed for certain messages, particularly when that message is well, well, you know, well, shutting down development. Like, for example, in the assembly or in the legislature, you can't just have a meeting and not have public. I mean, you can't just do this kind of thing where you say, oh, here, thank you. We're voting. No, no public mm, input. Yeah. No, 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 no ability for the other side to have a say. You can't do that. Um, one thing I, before I forget, I want you to talk about is in the article, which I thought was one of the best parts, was talk about Grace Pleasant's previous developments and then her ability, you know, this is also a situation where it was a little bit, I'm pissed off, I didn't get to be the developer. I wanted to be the developer. Talk about that a little bit, because yeah. that was pretty fascinating. Yeah, yeah. Um, Grace Pleasant's also a, also kind of a, I'm going to do air quotes, developer. Yeah, so it turns out that um, Grace, who had you know, initially contacted me months ago, um, has a long string of failed developments in Tacoma um, and in Anchorage. So um, she said multiple developments fall apart in Tacoma. She, uh, you know, foreclosed on. She had a development in bootleggers that was foreclosed on. The you found that great um, Seattle Journal of Commerce article, I think, right? Yeah, it was like the Tacoma Journal of Commerce or something. And I, I just emailed them and they were willing to... It's really expensive subscribing to those, like a few hundred bucks a year, but they were... Um, their writer um, or their uh, editor was just willing to forward those articles to me, which was nice. Um, and then her uh, her bootleggers project um, failed, and I think the one of the lead contractors on it said, like, look, I don't know if this was fraud or mismanagement or what, but you know, there's a lot of money missing from this project. And then we found, and there was so little documentation of this. Um, I had to dig and dig and dig to find it, but um, in a really um, kind of obscure a meeting minutes packet from a Girdwood meeting years ago, there was documentation of Grace pitching. Um, so Grace is behind this whole, you know, public lands should mean public benefits. Um, Connie's, Connie Ishimura, CY Investments is just taking public lands and, um, you know, developing them for her own profit. 
Uh, yeah, no, no public which, lands for private user. Which, no public lands for private benefit. Which, first of all, okay, again, like I said earlier, if you live in Anchorage, you live on public lands that were disposed of to a developer for development. I mean, that's kind of how we do things in the city. Um, but in these um, years-old documents from Girdwood, it turned out that Grace had wanted to use um, public land for um, her own private development. And that project had never never gotten off the ground, but it was um, well in, in Washington too. Wasn't one of the Washington projects? Yeah, that, and that public the, land yeah, for a public garage, land garage. I think a garage. Yep, yep, yep. One hundred percent. So you have a developer who has been trying to use public lands for her own enrichment for years and, and years and, and years. And it became clear that she was when this HLB thing went down a couple of years ago. This RFP, she was. It sounds like not in Anchorage, not in Alaska. And then when she when she found out about it, she got very upset and was hounding the HLB because she didn't have a chance to bid. Yeah, so that's she what missed. She, she missed out. That's what Shelley Routon, who used to work at um, HLB, told me. She said, you know, Grace kept calling and calling and just like making all these demands. And she said, eventually, I realized that Grace had been living in Tacoma. And one, and I think she has a house in Tacoma. And oh, so many of these Gerdwood people have so many houses; it's mind boggling. They, you know, they want to shut down housing for other people. Wasn't there one guy who had multiple houses? Wasn't there one guy in the in the um, Pub, pub, the the public comment um, didn't he have like five or six rentals? Yeah, yeah it's crazy. Um, but basically, Shelley said, you know, she said um, I eventually figured out that Grace was just in Tacoma when this RFP was issued, and she missed it. And I think the quote was, she always thought that she'd be the one to develop Girdwood. So, and so I, a lot of a lot of a lot of this wild. opposition um, probably was from spite. Like I didn't get it. Well, she's not going to get it, Connie. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know. Um, Multiple people told me that Connie, that um, Grace has had a very adversational, adver, adversational, adversarial, adversarial. Yeah. Sorry. There we go. Adversary. Making up words, adversational. mate. Uh, yeah. Um, there's no spell check on a podcast, unfortunately. Um, yeah. She's had a really, really bad relationship with Connie for, for years. Um, and uh yeah, well, just, just and, and, and long-term, years-long professional falling out. I'm just thinking about, and I'll link the, the article and the video, but I'm just recalling the smugness of these, especially her in these meetings, these community council meetings. Just so sure, so sure of the lies. They were yeah. telling these people, just so sure that they were right and they were what they were saying was righteous and that everybody else is wrong and corrupt. And you, you watch it when you, especially when you learn all this, you watch it, it makes, it just makes you angry. Yeah, and and we were. Um, I was careful in our piece. Um, I never said that they were um, Adam Trombley, who was uh, worked on this project, um, you know, for the administration. Uh, told me that they were liars, but I never said. Did, that they, did he say it was all bullshit or horseshit or something? Yeah, yeah. Or some comment like that. Um, but I never uh, wrote that they were lying. I don't know. I mean, this uh, this stuff is complicated. I don't know if. Um, I mean, it's hard for me to imagine that Grace didn't know that well, the things that she were saying she was saying were not true. But I don't, you know, I don't know. I just, I, I don't know if people are just misinformed. I mean, it, it seems possible that some of these um, folks who presented to the Anchorage Community Councils they might have been misinformed by Grace, and then they're repeating misinformation. But well, they you might get not you get be, into these group think situations where yeah. you just keep repeating something, and you, you know, you you all of a sudden believe it's, you know, you're you're so passionate. This is this is truth. This is what I'm saying is because I've, I've heard it so many times and it's been repeated so many times, but I, th- I think they knew, I think it was, didn't even somebody say in one of the meetings, wait a minute, isn't, isn't this like, I thought it was 60 or something. They go, Oh no, no, it's so somebody pushed back and yeah. said, I don't think this is 
I think you're wrong. And they, oh, no, no, no. We don't even know. They, they kept saying, we don't even know. We don't even know. They won't even tell us. Yeah. All you have to do is fucking read. Yeah, yeah. No, so th- there was no question about the size of the development um, from fairly early stages. I mean, within, you know, a tenth, few tenths of an acre or there might have been. Um, but, you know, and, and organizations in Girdwood had no trouble um, relaying the correct size of the development. Um, Girdwood Board of Supervisors um, wrote, it's a 60-acre development. Girdwood Inc., which is a nonprofit that works on a kind of range of issues in Girdwood, um, put on their website, it's a 60-acre development. Like, nobody was really confused by this. You know, ADN, 60-acre development, Alaska Public Media, 60-acre development. You know, nobody else was confused by this except this group of people, you know, apparently this group of people who were presenting to Anchorage Community Councils. And they were saying things like, well, you know, the maybe the uh, we don't know how big the third phase is or, you know, Grace outright saying, you know, it could go to 450 acres. Um, the Rabbit Creek Community Council was an interesting one because um, they're very active and they're pretty savvy and they have a good reputation for being thorough. And some people on um, the Rabbit Creek Community Council were were saying like, wait, we're, we're confused about the acreage. Like what's going on here? And they were, um, you know, Grace said, that's I think when Grace said, uh, you know, Grace's response was it could go to 450 acres. Jennifer Wingard's response was, oh, let's not focus on the specifics. We've been asking for not, we've been chasing numbers and they're always changing. I mean, that was, mm-hmm. come, I mean, come on. <laughs> it's just not believable. It's just not credible. Um, it's just not credible. So, 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 so they, I think they were willing to be, I, I suspect. Well, they probably, they them, probably didn't know they were going to get caught. Right. They're being watched. This was all going to come back and come out. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't know if they always knew that they were being recorded. Um, I, yeah, I have no idea. I think they were basically trying to get away with whatever they could. And, and certainly I will say like at the rabbit Creek community council meeting, grace said, you know, it's, it could go to 450 acres and nobody else spoke up. Nobody else said, uh, well, that that's not true. I mean, they, they would say things like, well, um, Holton Hills is 60 acres, but it could expand. You know, we don't know the size of the third phase. And then they created some confusion. Well, about, and they kept saying the the Heritage Land Bank and the Connie wouldn't talk, like, were hiding. It made it, made it sound yeah. like they were, they were hiding um, things, which is just bullshit. Well, yeah, let, 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 there, let, there were just constant claims of um, corruption with, with just zero evidence. I mean, I, listening to these people, you'd never really know that there was... Uh, yeah, I mean, there's this was a public process done correctly. There was a public RFP. People submitted, you know, bids. The bids were ranked. Those rankings are available online. It's public. Like, none of this is. Um, they really kind of ginned up this um, this this vast conspiracy, and it's. Uh, well, they never provided a shred of evidence for it, which is. Um, let's fast forward talent. to kind of present yeah. you know, today. Um, there ha- there has been some discussion at the assembly and by the mayor, um, I guess about appointing like a, you know, a a project manager or a facility, some, some person to kind of look at this deal and they they might bring it back. It could come back Yeah. with, they, they, I think they funded a position for, uh, would you call it a project manager or, or a, um, yeah, I think that's right. Person to come and be the person with the city who kind of oversees all of this. So it it could, it could, and I think there's a brand new assembly. There's what five new people out of 12, so, yeah. Uh, um, yeah, I think there's uh, a lot of exciting stuff happening in Girdwood and it's not clear to me that the NIMBY faction is going to have the ability to shut, um, shut it down. Um, well, I guarantee how, the community councils aren't, it's not going to happen again with the community councils. Oh yeah. I mean, 
I don't think their community council outreach effort is going to be successful next time. Although who, you know, hard, hard to know. Um, so Pomeroy, which is the owner of the resort is, um, uh, I, I haven't followed, been following this closely, but, um, they're, they're proposing or trying to, trying to, um, uh, trying to propose, uh, building employee lodging near the base of the resort, I believe. And then, um, this project manager position for the Holton Hills project has been um, approved. You know, funding has been approved for it. And essentially what that would do is, is uh, that's the assembly saying, yeah, the Bronson administration really is so incompetent that they, we don't trust them to manage anything, but we might be able to get a third party to. Which, um, which I think would would get, would get Meg on board. Um, I don't know how Zach Johnson's going to go. He's new. I asked everybody about this when I did my assembly debates. But uh, we know Constant has voted for it. Daniel Volan has voted for it. Um, yeah. I, I think, I'm not sure where Anna Brawley is, but I, I feel like with the new, I think there's a real good chance this thing does, especially now that they've realized how much manipulation occurred by, yeah. by these by these folks with the councils. Last thing I want to talk about is... Um, oh, oh, hold on. There's one other project in Girdwood that's worth mentioning. Oh, too, the Mead one. The, yeah, that Pete, there's Pete a, a proposed uh, kind of fly-in lodge on state airport land. Um, there's a uh, the permit um, is being applied for right now, and that's um, the Treadwells are behind that, and the um, Faulkners from down in Homer. Um, Jake Jacob Hirsch's uncle. Oh, is he? Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, I like John Faulkner. Yeah, I like John. He's cool. Um, so they're they're proposing putting um, a bunch of um, kind of it's like a hotel. Uh, with some employee housing on the state airport land, and um, it's like a lodge, right? Yeah, yeah, and uh, it's it's funny. I mean, reading comments online, I mean, you see the same opponents of Holton Hills kind of using the same arguments against all this stuff. But it's not clear to me that they're going to be able to block it all. And I, I think development is going to come to Girdwood, um, whether these um, the sort of NIMBY faction wants it or not. Um, I think that this idea, the only thing that we're going to accept is subsidized affordable housing that, you know, no entity actually wants to fund. Um, you know, the only thing that we're going to accept is this affordable housing. I think that I, that notion is, um, which, which also, the, which, which also they, they want to be, it sounds like they want to be in charge of, they want, they want to have all like all the say in how it goes, which is, it's like, give us money to subsidize something yeah. and then we'll, 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 we got it. Even though for the last 20 or 30 years, they haven't done shit. Yeah. There's this subtext in this whole um uh debate or argument that if you own you know an air a luxury airbnb or a vacant lot in girdwood or a duplex in girdwood that you're renting out you know that gives you special control over hlb land in girdwood or that that means that you are you know a member of the community who gets you know some special right to shut down um a lodge at the airport I think, well, Paxton, I, I they're, think they're, they're, they're elite VIPs. Okay, yeah. they, they have a very special right. say in this thing. They're very, they're very elite. I, I think that idea has to be really pushed back on, very, very hard. Um, the idea that you know, if you own, if you're operating an Airbnb in Girdwood, you know, you're the one who created. You, you are contributing to the housing shortage there. And if you own vacant land in Girdwood, um, yeah, I mean, for example, Dave Nyman owns this luxury Airbnb and uh, a vacant lot a mile away from the Holton Hills development site. I mean, that is absurd. The idea that because you own a luxury rent short-term rental property a mile from, um, 
a development, you get to shut down housing for other people. You know, you get a special say, you know, you're a stakeholder, but the people who would live in those houses, um, you know, don't get a say, but you do. I I think we we really, like, as a city, this is an idea that we really have to consider um, and think about more critically, whether it's, you know, people who move next to trailheads saying, you know, we get to regulate whether or not the state park expands the parking lot here or, um, you know, with, with housing, you know, people um, saying, oh, I moved to this neighborhood, so I, I get a say and, um, just cl- you know, cl- cl- what classic other people can build. Just this whole NIMBY. Classic NIMBY, NIMBYism. Yeah. That's I, all it is, you know. I, I think, you know, what we started this conversation talking about was the extreme housing crisis in, um, in Anchorage. We are never going to get out of it if owning a short-term rental a mile away from a proposed development means that you, you know, get a right to shut it down. Well, we, we have to just actually, I think, and this is just me editorialized, but I, I think we, we just have to reject that outright and, and move forward as a city to provide um, housing and opportunity. And I, and I actually think that that is going to happen in Girdwood. I, I think that the NIMBYs are very likely going to lose this. They were coming up in an hour 15, mate, which yeah, is, uh, okay. but last thing I want to bring up is recently the uh, Anchorage Daily News published a letter to the editor, kind of bullshit, oh, that, that you uh, did some pushback and essentially said your article, the Holton Hills article, uh, was bullshit because it wasn't a small group. It was a large group of people at the uh, assembly meeting, which you responded to Tom Hewitt, who's the yeah. uh, opinion editor. And you said, we never said, you never said it was a small group of people behind all of it. It was a small group going to the community councils yeah, so and a, lobbying. That letter was submitted by uh, Aben or Eben Stone, um, who I think was on, served very briefly on GBOS and Girdwood. Um, and yeah, the letter basically says, um, I'm writing in response to this landmine op, um, article. And the article claimed that it was only a small group of people opposing the development, but you know, uh, Paxson should have gone to the, the meeting, uh, um, the assembly meeting where over a hundred people showed up and it's like, I'm reading this. I'm like, what in the world? Of course it, we never said it was a small, just a small group that opposed Holton Hills. I mean, they were, yeah, we were at that meeting. Um, we were there for the whole thing. It was a small group of people that were actively yeah. going to the community councils and, yeah. and doing this kind of you know, behind the scenes lobbying, you know, strategizing. Yeah. It was just funny reading this like rousing, you know, uh, Paxson should have seen all the signs in our community. It's like, I, I go to Girdwood all the time. Like, I've seen your signs. I went to that assembly meeting. Like, but I just never said that. We never said that in that um, in that article. So. And, then, and then you emailed Hewitt, and he basically said, well, you can, sorry, you can write your own yeah. response. Yeah, which was kind of annoying. I mean, yeah, I emailed Tom Hewitt, and I said, like, hey, you guys published this letter. Like, I, know, I never said this. And, um, yeah, he said, well, you can submit a response. So I did. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I said in the response, I don't know if they'll publish it or not, but I – um, they better. I mean, I hope they do. But I basically said, you know, it's it's ironic that we wrote this article about misinformation coming from Girdwood, and then the response to the article is more misinformation. More misinformation. Yeah. I mean, um, there's something like there's so, just something weird about um, yeah reporting on Girdwood. Like yeah, it's just it's so, just so, bizarre. So, there's some weird. So, it's a fun place, also kind of a weird place well yeah. uh, this has been fascinating i think this issue it's not dead we're going to keep following it i don't know where it's going to go i'm i'm I, I would say a tad bit optimistic that, that maybe it does come back and it, does, it, it is approved um but we'll, we'll be watching it and, and we'll see how the new assembly goes and how this kind of 
project manager, facilitator position goes and what else is happening. Well, I, I think I want to say, Paxton, you, you did great work on this. I mean, I was helping out a little bit initially, but you took the, on this, on this special feature called Halt, Holt and Hills. You can go to the and click on special features to read it. Um, you did a great job. It was a ton of investigative work. It was, I mean, I don't know how many hours you spent on it. Dozens, you know, I don't know, a lot. So it was. Oh, yeah, a hundred. Yeah, I mean, it was a huge. It was, huge, it was, huge it was really good work and it was important things. and I'm glad it's out there. And we'll be watching this and we'll see how this uh, shakes out. But, um, you know, it's no secret that we need housing in Girdwood. We need housing in Anchorage. We need housing all over the country. It's a real, real problem. Yeah. And we'll see if we can, hopefully something positive comes out of this. So Yeah, and not, and not just, you know, just the kind of housing that I want to say, you know, we need all types of housing. We need Mixed, housing yeah, absolutely. that people can attain. We need housing, you know, $600,000 condo in Girdwood. That sounds great, man. <laughs> like we, yeah. So to, to anybody um, kind of from the media who might be listening to this, like please consider reporting on this. So it's not just us. Um, I, I mean, ADN and, and has covered it a little bit too, but I, I think, you know, housing issues um, generally are so important and I, I wish some more folks in the media um, took these issues up. And um, to, well, wait, wait, to, to everybody else, wait. like, don't let the NIMBYs run the conversations. Don't let them run the community councils. Don't let them bully you into not um, speaking out. In, uh, in, in you know, if, if you live in Girdwood and you support development, you know, yeah, yeah I know. I realize it's really hard to come out and um, make your voice heard. But d- don't let these people, you know... Um, uh, it's don't 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 be bullied by. Well, we, we, multi, we have so many we have so many, so many people who've who've got gotten up the hill and are on the top of the building and you know they're pulling up the ladder and say I got mine fuck you yeah you know so we, we need to you know stop that so great work Paxson um, this is a really interesting issue and it's not it's not going anywhere it's still very much alive we'll be we'll be covering it and following it so thanks again Paxson all right thanks buddy all right folks if you have an idea for a podcast or want to do a podcast get a hold of me and stay tuned for the next one. Landline, radio.